All right, guys, it is 10.04 p.m. on New Year's Eve. I have spent the day not in a way that I planned at all. It also happens to be my 12th wedding anniversary, and I think I said five words to my husband. Not because we're upset at each other, but simply because he is sick. He has been in basically the bathroom or the bedroom all day. Uh, So all four kids have been hanging out with me and just trying to make the best of a New Year's Eve that looked really, really different than what we expected. So part of him getting sick over the weekend was that I just got out of the shower after I got all kids to bed and realized tomorrow's Monday morning and that's when we have a podcast that's supposed to come out. So if you don't know, Kyle does pretty much everything for the podcast. I sit down, record what I need to and walk away and everything else that happens is because of him. So he's asleep. I am attempting to do an episode completely solo, like not just recording it solo, but figuring out all of the behind the scenes tech to actually get this out tomorrow morning like we normally do. So we shall see if this ever reaches anyone's ears. What I wanted to do is recap 2023 and just give a little bit, a little rundown of what we are expecting for 2024 personally in our finances. Um, But if the recap of 2023 tells us anything, it's that whatever I'm expecting to happen in 2024 will not be what actually happens in 2024. And that's okay. So I have no notes. I have nothing written down, nothing planned out ahead of time. Like I said, it's 10.04 p.m., New Year's Eve. Hopefully this is scheduled to release before the new year actually uh, kicks off. But since my plans look different, I figured I would spend a little bit of time reflecting and turn that into a recording. So I'm just going to think through each month of 2023 and walk through what our family um, experienced financially and how that kind of wove through the things that we were experiencing, uh, you know, personally and surprises that came along the way. Um, and how that led to where we are now and what we are looking forward to in the new year. So if I think back to January of 2023, uh, the year kicked off with Kyle and I going to New York City together for, I believe it was three nights. Uh, We did a travel hacking with a hotel and Southwest flights. We had the companion pass, so he flies free with me. And um, we did three nights in Hotel Belclair in the Upper West Side which was a very different location than where we had stayed when we first went in uh, December of, let's see, 2017. We stayed right on Times Square and it was right before Christmas and it was chaotic and it was a shorter trip than this one was. So this was really nice to be able to uh, be in a quieter neighborhood and also not be the first time we've ever been to New York City. So we didn't feel like we had to do some of the big quintessential New York City kind of things that we could go for the more quieter areas. So that was a really, really great trip. We absolutely loved that trip. Um, We saw a comedy show. We went to uh, the Met. We uh, ate at some amazing restaurants, some great coffee. We loved our hotel so much. Um, And that was a really nice way to kick off the year after uh, right after Christmas break. So the kids had just gone back to school when we went for three nights. I think we left on a Sunday and came back on a Wednesday morning or something like that. Um, So that's what I can remember of January. So this entire year was our first full calendar year of being self-employed. So Kyle left his full-time job at the nonprofit ministry, uh, the summer day camp in October of 2022. So kicking off January of 2023, we were fully self-employed with the intention of him primarily working with Every Mom and also generating income, doing freelance, doing similar things to what he was doing for me but for other businesses as well. 
Uh, so he was kind of getting his foot footing there on finding clients, nailing down what he wanted to really, um, what he wanted to do, basically. So I think in February was when he started some extra freelance projects. Um, specifically, he makes new websites for small businesses who don't want to pay like a web developer who then has to be like managing the website. They want to be able to manage it themselves. So we, he, what he does is he builds a website on Squarespace and then he can set it up, make it look professional, make it um, prioritize the goals that that business has, um, whether it's generating more revenue, generating more donations, uh, readability, and then he can turn it over to the client. And Squarespace is so user-friendly that the small businesses can then manage it themselves, updating pages, things like that. And they don't need to pay um, a sometimes very expensive fee for a web developer to continuously be updating things like that. So that's what he decided to really lean into. Um, he actually kicked off with doing the website for our local library, which was really fun. We are huge fans of the library. We love our library. Um, and so that was really cool to have him working on that and making that um, website really user-friendly and um, hosting the resources that people in our town enjoy. Um, so as we went through the winter, that was really what we were focusing on was figuring out our identity. I'm not even going to edit this because it's me by myself, guys. So um, try that again. It, we were trying to figure out our dynamic of work, what uh, each person was responsible for, when each person was working, what projects we needed to do, how much revenue our businesses needed to generate in order to fulfill our personal budget. Uh, and so all of that was very fresh at the beginning of the year. Um, so I just, as I reflect back and think about the beginning of 2023, that was a lot of it was just um, trying trial and error of different schedule options. Uh, I know that for a while we tried half days so that each of us would work at least part of a day. Um, so if I did the morning, he did the afternoon and vice versa. We both pretty quickly found that that wasn't ideal. At least that wasn't ideal for our default schedule. Uh, I personally prefer to know if I have a work day or a not work day and that I can have a day that I focus on the home and the kids and the errands and um, having some downtime and then know in advance that, you know, the next day is going to be a work day or something like that. So that was more what we leaned into. And uh, honestly, his work took a lot more effort and, and still does than mine. Uh, so even though Dot Free Mom is our primary um, pay for our family, the workload primarily sits with him between the things that he does in Dot Free Mom and then his freelance projects. Um, I would say I work, if, if we look at the time we all work together, the two of us work total during the week as 100%. I would say I probably work um, 30 to 40% of the time, and then he works uh, 60 to 70% of the time. So that was a lot. That was hard at the beginning because the beginning of the year, after a big push in January with people really wanting to figure out their finances at the beginning of the year, then it was a big lull in our business in February and March. And so that was stressful. Like, is this really going to work? Are we going to be able to sustain um, what we thought we could do in order to support both the business and support our family? So I, I remember being stressed a lot about that um, and hoping that, you know, projects would come uh, towards him, that he could continue to support us as we were um, riding out the natural highs and lows of self-employment. So uh, going into March, if I think back to our kids' spring break, we didn't go anywhere for spring break that I can remember. We're not usually spring break travelers. Um, 
I think we did that once in 2021, right after Ruby was born. She was like six weeks old and we drove down to Florida. Um, that was an adventure. And But we generally don't default to traveling over spring break. However, our spring break also tends to be in March and in March in Illinois can be very, very cold. So I do remember just kind of getting through the week, figuring out things to do um, and being thankful that when school started back simply because we didn't have big plans for that week. The end of that school year was when we had two kids in full-time school and one kid in three days a week school. So Ruby had just turned two in the winter, and then we had our oldest two in second and kindergarten, and our third son was in preschool. He was um, four years old, and going on, he started that school year going two days a week, and then he uh, bumped it up to three days a week in January. A few things that really stand out to me um, are from May to September, I feel like our life was a roller coaster that was going 100 miles an hour. So a couple big highlights. In May, we hired our virtual assistant, Megan, and that was nothing short of life-changing when it comes to running a business. I was so nervous about that, uh, about hiring anyone, because I knew that I that being a boss was not something that I had experienced before um, and didn't really feel like it fit naturally into my skill sets. I'm a very disorganized person. I'm very all over the place. I don't have consistent systems and routines and uh, file folders and a schedule that I could easily pass off to someone. So I have always found comfort in Debt Free Mom only being me and being able to be as messy as I wanted because nobody else was entering into that mess. So the more we have brought people onto the team, the more I've had to come to terms with the mess in some ways and then also clean up the mess and get better at being organized so that the business can thrive. Um, so I really was looking for someone who was comfortable working with someone who was not type A, who was not organized, and who was willing to be that and not get frustrated that I wasn't organized. Um, and we have found that and then some in Megan. And um, she's been with us now seven months. And it is um, such a gift to find somebody who is willing to come alongside. And I, I knew when I even when I did interviews, I told every person that we interviewed, I am not organized. I need someone to tell me what to do. I was not looking for like a, an assistant who could be um, like a gopher or a yes man who would just wait and do what they were told because I needed someone who was the organized one. So in many ways, like she tells me what to do in a good way and reminds me what needs to happen. And, you know, hey, you have this email in your box and it needs to get responded to. Um, and I, I just thrive with that kind of partnership and dynamic. So she came on in in May, which was the first time that anyone other than Kyle or I had done anything inside Debt Free Mom, even though at that point it was four years old. So that's definitely a big milestone in the business. And then um, June, school is out. We join the pool every single summer. I absolutely live at the pool with the kids. That is the only way that I know how to get through uh, summer with kids is we go to the pool. We wake up in the morning. We hang out for a little bit. Maybe we'll go to the library. Maybe we'll watch a couple episodes of something. And then we just hit the pool. We pack our lunch boxes and we hit the pool. We get home late afternoon. Everybody's tired. Uh, we do nap time, whatever it is. We eat dinner later because the sun is up more, which even just talking about that right now in December where we just past the darkest, longest day of the year, just dreaming about those days where the sun is still up at like 8 or 9 p.m. Um, that is just really something to look forward to. I hope that comes soon. Um, but that is what we planned on doing in the summer. And then we had a vacation 
in July planned with my family. And we decided, I think in May, we decided that we would go ourselves the week before my whole family was coming down to Gulf Shores and that we would do about five days, just the six of us in Gulf Shores. And then my family would join and we would do a week with them. So July is really when our life started to um, get a lot more tumultuous. So beginning of July was uh, when our relationship with our neighbors really uh, took a downhill turn. Um, I'm not going to share a lot of details. I haven't shared a lot of details on that on Instagram, and I'm not going to share a lot of them here. Um, I believe in the dignity and respect of the neighbors, even though it wasn't a pleasant situation still. So I'm not going to divulge any of that. But needless to say, um, it went from challenging to close to impossible over the course of a month um, in not feeling comfortable in our homes, not feeling like we could just step outside and be in our yard comfortably, not wanting the kids to go out alone, which they had been. Um, and so that feeling, that was a feeling I had never experienced before in my own home, feeling so uncomfortable that I would like look out the door to see if they were there before going to my car, um, just to not have any run-ins or anything. Um, and that was, yeah, that was unlike anything I experienced. And so we were very grateful that we left for vacation about a week after all that started. And we thought, you know, maybe just some time, distance, space, um, moving on, we could come home two weeks later and that it would kind of blow over or die down. On that vacation is when I got in the most minor bumper, um, what's it called? <laughs> in sleep, um, fender bender. The most minor fender bender of my life, right in front of Walmart after getting groceries. I had two of the kids with me. Um, literally, the maximum speed I could have been going was like seven miles an hour because I had come to a full stop and then I had inched forward, thinking that the line of cars at the red light was moving forward when really the guy in front of me was just moving up a little bit and then stopping again. Um, and one of the kids yelled for me right as I was starting to accelerate forward and I bumped into him. He had a giant lifted truck with a very big hitch sticking out of the back of it. And that hitch went directly into my radiator. My front bumper popped off the sides. Um, I don't even know what all went down under the hood, but any kind of fluid that could have possibly been leaking was leaking. Um, so we thought we would just rent a van. You know, we this was like three days after we got there. So we were going to be there another 10 days. We'll get the van fixed. We'll drive it home. No problem. Ended up that our insurance company totaled the van. I, in hindsight, we could have probably fought that a little bit harder than we did. I would, I definitely would have if we had been home and if we had been local. But because we were 800 miles from home um, and we didn't have a lot of options, I did not want to drive a rental home and then fly back down and get the repaired car later. Um, and so we ended up just accepting that that van was totaled, rented a van for the rest of the time that we were there, drove that rental van home and um, ended up buying, when we got home, a what I called a placeholder van. So we paid $4,000 for a 2008, uh, not Toyota, Chrysler Town & Country that I had, I think, 168,000 miles on it. It was not in good shape, but it ran. And that was pretty much all we were looking for because we have six people in our family. So we had Kyle's car, but Kyle's car seats five. So it didn't matter that we had a working car. We still could not take our family anywhere. Um, and so we had borrowed a few vehicles. The insurance process was taking quite a while because we had our title to the van back in Illinois, but the van itself was down in Alabama. And then there were um, some issues with figuring out the exact amount that they were going to pay out and all those kinds of things. So it was going on long enough that I was like, you know what? Our family needs a vehicle. We have, thankfully, um, an emergency fund that is so full that we can buy a van in cash. 
without waiting for the insurance check. So we took $4,000 out of our emergency fund, bought this van, and then we were able to kind of just wait and write out the insurance process. So we drove that van from August to uh, October. Um, and I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself, but October is when we actually sold that van. So we drove that replacement van uh, for, what, three months? And when we bought it, I said three to six months is how long I wanted to drive it. And the good thing is that when you buy it and then sell it just a few months later, you can usually get most of the value back for it. And so it ends up not being a whole lot out of pocket. So all that to say, let's go back to July, August. Um, at the time, I mean, our, our house that we lived in was our first home that we bought. We bought it in April of 2019 for 142500 And we had originally a 3.875% interest rate that we were able to, we didn't have to fully refinance. We were with a credit union that allowed a loan modification. Regardless, you did not have to be um, you did not have to have any financial hardship of any kind. A lot of loan lenders require some proof of financial hardship in order to do a loan modification. Ours did not at all. It was a $600 flat fee if we wanted to only change the interest rate, leave the uh, term alone, the length of the term and the beginning of the term, the amount owed. We couldn't cash out anything with a loan modification, which we didn't want to do. So we bought the house in April of 2019. And in March of 2020, when interest rates crashed, we did the loan modification for $600, which dropped our interest rate from 3.875 to 2.75, which was just, that's just like uh, mind boggling to think about now that that existed. Anyways, we wanted to hold on to that house for dear life, that interest rate for dear life. We wanted to live there for a long time. And then when we moved out, we wanted to rent it out uh, and keep that interest rate. Well, as we came home from our vacation where our van had been totaled, on top of that, we came back to a very clear uh, message from our neighbors that the problem was not dying down or resolving. Uh, it was ramping up. And so at that, I had a moment about a week after we got home from vacation where I was just like, you know what? Life is too short to be controlled by someone else's uh, illogical anger. And we don't have to live this way. We don't have to be uh, consumed by or worried about someone else yelling things when we are outside. Um, and so although that interest rate was, like we said, unbelievable and so low that it was basically like free money, um, that is not the only thing that's important in life. And we just came to a decision that it was time to move out. So first, we wanted to not sell the house and just rent it out. Uh, I met with a few friends who own rentals and our landlords and explain the situation to them. And there was pretty strong consensus that they would not advise being a landlord in a situation next to that, where if the neighbor knew that we were a landlord and uh, you know wanted to, to further add insult to injury, they could make life uh, rough for our tenants in the same way they had for us. So there was pretty much consensus that it would be better to go ahead and sell it. And then if we wanted to be landlords, you know, buy a rental property. So we came to that decision um, in August. And this is another um, just victory lap for the concept of an emergency fund that we were able to, right after we uh, bought that van in cash, um, which I believe was like August 10th. Um, no, that was July 29th. July 29th, we bought that van in cash. August 10th was when I decided we are moving out. That same day, I posted on Facebook, hey, we're looking for a rental. We decided we were going to rent um, because of needing to move out quickly. 
and that, you know, this move was not on our terms where we had financially prepared to be buying a much more expensive house than what we were currently in at a much higher interest rate than we currently had. So we wanted to go from homeowner to renter. Posted on Facebook that we were looking for a rental that could hold six people that was in our town that had at least three bedrooms, if not four. Um, And within minutes, one of my childhood friends commented that her dad had a rental in our town that was available that day. It met our budget. It met our size. It met our location. I called her dad and asked if we could see it that day. We went and saw it. We agreed that we wanted to live there. Uh, the rent was well within our budget, and he was like, you know, if you if you want to live here, it's yours. It's all cleaned out. The previous tenant had just moved out. Um, and so we put the deposit down that day, which was, like I said, about 10 days, 11 days after we had bought that van in cash. Um, and then we decided to move in August 25th, which was just two weeks later, and we paid the first month's rent on August 25th. So at that point, we had now paid the down payment. We had bought that van in cash. We had paid the first month's rent, and we were still fully responsible for the mortgage on our house. Um, All of that thanks to not having a large income, but to having a large emergency fund that we knew we could float these things and keep the rest of our family budget going with our regular income. So at that point, we had also decided that we would sell. So once we moved in on August 25th, we decided to sell our home. Um, That was a very quick turnaround as well. So now we're moving into September. Basically, the whole month of September was about the home, getting it cleaned up, getting it ready to list. We found a realtor in town that we knew um, was had a wonderful reputation for selling family homes in our town, that she would have connections with potential buyers. Um, and that she would know how to list our our home well. So we listed it, uh, I think, the first or second week in September. And that first weekend, we had a lot of showings. We had one offer, and the offer was over asking price, but they wanted us to give an answer that day, which was the very first day that it had been on the market. So we actually countered with an even higher offer above asking, basically saying, like, if you want us to agree to this on the first day that we've had this on the market, it's going to need to be a sweeter deal. Um, And they basically countered again, saying that 185 um, was the highest that they were qualified for, that that, like they couldn't go any higher than that. Um, And so we we sat on that for two days, let a few more showings come through. And then ultimately we came back to them and said we would we would agree to their 185 and they agreed to that. Uh, So that was the second week in September. And um, it was crazy. It was such a whirlwind. I mean, within a month and a half, we had gone from we're going to drive this van forever and we're going to live in this house forever to um, not, you know, not literally forever, but proverbially, like for a long time um, to six weeks later, the van was gone. We were driving an old clunker van and the house was sold. Um, so in the fall, we had three kids now in full time school. So our third son is. Uh, has a September birthday. So he's in pre-K, but he's in five full days a week. So he is not in kindergarten yet, but he is in full-time school. So three sons in full-time school. And then Ruby uh, goes with my mother-in-law one day a week. And we have a Friday babysitter who comes during the school day on Fridays. So we now have Tuesdays and Fridays with full childcare. So both Kyle and I can work on Tuesdays and Fridays. And then we share taking care of Ruby on Mondays, uh, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So that schedule-wise has been a um, big difference in our work-personal life balance. At least I've felt that way. 
there's been a much better opportunity to get work done during the day and not be scrambling on weekends and evenings, uh, just having that little bit of extra childcare. So now we have one child three days a week, unless obviously school is off, um, to share the responsibilities for. And she still naps most days, not all days, but most days. Uh, so that helps. So we have been in this rental since August 25th. Um, and now we're closing out the year. We started the year as homeowners and we're closing out the year as renters. Um, so we, let's see, let me think about if there's anything else in September. So agreed under contract with the house in September, but we still had to pay the mortgage payment on September 1st. And then October 1st, we were closing on October 7th. Um, so we did not have to pay the October 1st mortgage payment because the grace period for our mortgage was um, that it had to be paid by October 15th. And we were going to close on the house by October 7th. So we, I double checked with our realtor because I was like, how does this all work? Um, that we didn't have to pay that one. Uh, so on October 7th, we closed on the house. Um, the money that we got for the house after uh, paying for our portion of the 2023 property taxes, as well as paying the um, commissions for both our realtor and the buyer's realtor, uh, we profited a hefty amount. Um, I think I've already said the number on Instagram, so I can say it here. We we got a deposit of about $70,000 um, in September or in October. We right away knew that one of the things we needed to do was get a van that would last a long time. Um, so that started that whole process. I'm not going to go into that here because there's a million details to that. But one of the first things we did was buy a 2018 Honda Odyssey. Uh, I think it was within a week of getting that money from the house sale. Uh, we got, we bought the um, van that we now have uh, and including tax and license title, all that stuff. Uh, we paid 29000 for that. One of the things we did with the home um, sale money was completely max both Kyle and I's Roth IRAs, which is a total of $13,000. So I had been focusing our investment money in our personal budget into our HSA uh, because that's pre-tax dollars and Roth IRA is post-tax. And so I had just about filled up our HSA in October, which it has a, um, last year at least, had a deposit, I believe, of 7850 was the maximum for a family for an HSA. So I was close to filling that. So when we sold the house, we put $13,000 into both of our Roth IRAs. And the reason for doing that is because we knew we had just taken money out of an appreciating asset, appreciating asset, and um, we were starting to put it into depreciating assets like a vehicle. So we needed to offset that by putting at least a good chunk of the money into things that would appreciate in value. So we um, filled both of those Roth IRAs for 13. We also added to our family emergency fund since we had used money from the vehicle sale and from or from we had used money for the van and for the uh, the down payment or not a down payment because it's a rental, but the deposit and the first month's rent. So we bumped our emergency fund. I think at the time it had thirteen thousand in it, and we bumped it to twenty thousand, um, which before we had considered fifteen thousand to be a full emergency fund. So now we had not only offloaded one of our bigger risks, which was a home, which is one of the main things that's going to take money out of your emergency fund. We had offloaded that, and then we added to our emergency fund to go from 15 to 20. So we felt a double layer of security there. Um, so we bumped up the emergency fund, put money into investments, purchased a van for me, and then we put the rest of the money into savings in order to 
replace Kyle's car within the next couple months. We have not done that yet, but we do have now about 13000 saved, set aside for him to buy a vehicle in 2024. So lots of money shuffling in um, the fall of this year and knowing that we needed to prioritize retirement. But we also had known going into 2023 that we just needed to figure out how to make self-employment work, that that was going to be a big challenge financially um, to understand how all the complexities of tax and insurance and paying ourselves and paying the business and now paying other people, um, how all of that worked. So I knew it was I knew at the beginning of the year that it was going not going to be a large investment year uh, because of writing out all those big changes that we had just given up our only W-2 salary and we're going full self-employed. I had not known about all the vehicle and housing changes that would also impact us. Um, so while we did invest some of that money um, and all those kind of things, overall, if I look at our net worth from the beginning of 2023 to the very end of 2023, it's actually gone down because uh, selling the home and then having the um, having some of the money, some of the equity that was in that home that was adding to our net worth going towards a vehicle and things like that. So like, for example, the van, just purchasing, I don't consider the value of a vehicle to be added into a net worth because it's constantly declining. Um, so it's constantly going to be dragging down your net worth over time. Um, so I I leave vehicle values out of a net worth. And so therefore, when we took money from a home sale, which was equity, and used it to pay $29,000 to purchase a vehicle, our net worth went down by $29,000, essentially. Um, so all that to say, I knew that our net worth would not go up as quickly as I wanted it to in 2023. I had not planned on it going down. Uh, but that is that is life. That is literally just like how life works. Um, and so it has lit a fire under us in a good way to reprioritize those investments and get back to bumping those things up um, and being grateful for renting in the meantime in order to um, be able to focus on those bigger goals like investing um, without the fear that something in our home is going to break that we're going to be responsible for. So that brings me to November and December. Um, if I think about it, they they feel like pretty quiet months. Um, the business kind of, you know, ended the year um, quietly, not badly at all, just quietly, which was nice after the those previous four months feeling like a complete tornado. Um, and so we have we also one of the big things now transitioning into talking not only about what happened in 2023, but what is coming up in 2024 is that the scholarship program that our boys have qualified for in order to offset the tuition at the private school that they attend, that program has been officially sundown. Um, and so it's completely valid for this current school year. Like the the scholarship that they were granted applies to this school year fully, but that program is not going to not going to continue in the 2024-2025 school year. Um, and that means that is that is a uh, big that's a big earthquake in our personal finances. Um, it will be roughly $15,000 a year to send our kids to this school. We absolutely love this school for so many reasons. Um, it, one of the big reasons for me is nostalgia. It is the elementary school that I personally attended from preschool to sixth grade. Um, and we love it. They're also getting older to an age where removing them out of um, their comfort and their friends would be harder. And so we we've really we've grappled with do we stay or do we um, switch to the public schools? Our town has wonderful public schools that are highly rated and 
Um, I actually worked in that district. I have no qualms about the quality of education that they would receive at the public school, but it's still, um, that's not the only thing. That's not the only reason that you choose a school uh, when you have the privilege to choose one is not only just like, oh, these are all the things that I want to avoid. For us, because our town has, like I said, such great public schools, we were not really, we were not choosing our private school because we were wanting to avoid anything. We were just seeking out some other characteristics. Um, class size and curriculum and a lack of uh, not having um, devices meant that our our school is more like a quote-unquote analog school. So more physical book-based, paper-based, things like that. Uh, we didn't really want our kids on a lot of tech. Um, and and like I said, just nostalgia. I, I just, I absolutely loved my experience at this school and I wanted to replicate that for my kids if I could. So going into 2024, uh, at this point, we are planning to register them for this same school. And um, we've really had to work on our personal budget and map out exactly what it's going to take in order to not just scrape by having them at the school, but actually be able to thrive financially in other areas while paying for school. Um, and so the good thing about being self-employed and Kyle being freelance is that our income is very moldable and adjustable and we can set goals and we don't have to ask a boss for a raise or uh, take on a side job um, within what we're currently doing. There are ways to kind of um, dig into increasing income inside of our current jobs as opposed to doing something different. So that that doesn't mean that it, it's not easier. It's just more mainstreamed, I guess. Like the the uh, method by which we can increase our income is already apparent to us. We just need to do that hard work um, as opposed to having like a salaried job that's very locked in and having it be in someone else's hands, whether or not you can get a raise for that, for example. That's what I mean. Uh, so we have big we have big work to accomplish in 2024 for sure. Um so we're ending the year very grateful for the way that we were able to ride out all of those changes and um, ending the year knowing now that we can finish a full year of being self-employed um, and thrive. Uh, the things that happened to us this year that were financially difficult were not because we were self-employed. They, they were outside circumstances that led to those challenges. And so that's a really good thing. I am a very risk-averse person. And so Actually having a year under our belt where we have tangible evidence, proof positive that this works, that this is effective, uh, is helpful for me in continuing down this path for the long term. Um, and when it stops working, it stops working and we'll shift to something else. We hold hold all these things very loosely. Um, so we're ending the, ending the year very grateful, ending the year with, like I said, a lower net worth than we started the year, uh, a lot higher um, stock market investments than we had at the beginning of the year, but an overall lower net worth. Um, and that is motivating to get us um, back on path and to um, really close the loop, I guess, in having to sell that house and get back onto the track that we were on before. I don't envision us purchasing a home in 2024. Um, I envision us saving aggressively towards that. Uh, but I think, you know, our, our lease ends in this house in August. And so in order to buy a house when the lease ends, that would be like, buying a house in June or July and just planning backwards in terms of January starting tomorrow. Um, I don't really envision that that would be um, the way we want to go, how aggressively we want to save to the detriment of other goals like our retirement and like our school payments. Um, so I anticipate signing another lease for one more year in this house and then purchasing a home uh, 2025. Um, 
And so that's what I have on the horizon. So we have we have numbers goals that I, I would rather not share. Um, we have income goals for our family um, that we have decided would be the point at which we could very comfortably send our kids to the school we want to send them to while pursuing the the goals we have for the future. Um, so we know the work that needs to be done, but we just need to go about actually doing that work. And so that is what I'm looking forward to in 2024 is seeing those things pan out um, and just continuing to be a mom of kids that are getting older. I'm absolutely loving the phase of life that we're in with our parenting. Um, this Christmas break, we've had so many days where the kids get up and just go downstairs and play. Ruby sings or talks in her bed. Um, she's still in a crib. She's almost three and still in a crib. And so she hangs out in her room and the boys just kind of go downstairs and putts around, especially once we had Christmas with their toys and stuff. Um, so there have been multiple days over this Christmas break where Kyle and I have gotten out of bed around 9 a.m., which is just um, like 2016 me would have laughed in your face if you said that that would even be possible. Um, so that's been a gift for sure to see little glimpses of how as they get older, some things might get harder. Yes, but other things get a lot sweeter and a lot less physically taxing. Um, and we're starting to experience that here with our oldest being eight and a half. Um, so I am excited to see what that brings in the new year uh, with them growing and getting older and getting we're going to have one, um, you know, starting in the fall, he'll be in upper elementary. Uh, so it's just insane how quickly time goes. And um, I'm looking forward to spending time with them and all the opportunities that our self-employment offers us to have both of their parents uh, spending time with them when they're on breaks or just during the day that we can go to field trips that we can just be there. Um, and so I'm very grateful for that. For Debt Free Mom in 2024, our word is community. And so all of the things that we're going to work on are fostering community. So whether that is offering really high quality content on social media to continue creating a close-knit community there for free. Um, we also have a, uh, a membership that we're going to be launching in January, a low-ticket membership that starts at just $9 a month. Um, that is for people who want to pay attention to their budgeting and do so among friends in a safe space where they can communicate with each other, pay period budgeting, contentment, growing the gap between their income and expenses, um, and just fostering a deeper sense of if we're, if I'm going to be on my phone, I want to have it be something that is creating contentment and, and pushing me uh, towards my goals, not away from it. Um, and so that will be launching in January right after our free Know Your Numbers Challenge. So in the show notes, I'll put the link to the Know Your Numbers Challenge, which is going to start on Sunday, January 7th. It's completely free. It's five days. And it's actually going to be the first thing we do inside this membership site. Um, so we're going to use this website for membership, but we're going to use a free aspect of it to host the Know Your Numbers Challenge. So you don't have to have Facebook to do the Know Your Numbers Challenge. Um, you can get daily emails prompting you to gather your numbers and start the year uh, knowing what needs to be done, knowing where you're at, knowing what the gap is between your income and expenses, knowing how much debt you have, knowing how much savings you have that you would consider an emergency fund, um, and really reflecting on what it's going to take to achieve the goals that you have for yourself. Because for me, I, I don't want people to have pie-in-the-sky goals that aren't attached to an actionable plan. So lofty goals are fantastic, and they can motivate you and spur you on. But if they don't have a tether between where you currently are and where you want to get with that goal, then the ability to move from where you are to where you want to be becomes so much harder. So that is the intention of the Know Your Numbers Challenge is to root you in reality. 
um, so that as you pursue those goals, you're making steps that match where you actually are, match the actual gap you have between your income and expenses. That if you have a goal to save $10,000 by the end of the year, but your current gap between your income and expenses is $200 a month, well, you're going to get $2,400 out of the year that way. And so then you'll know what needs to change. How big of the gap, how big of a gap do I need to grow in order to get to a place where I can save $10,000 a year, which would be a little over $800 a month. Uh, so just things like that, where I, I want big goals. I like, I like the idea of big goals, but I want them to be attached to something that's attainable. And so in the free Know Your Numbers Challenge, you can join us in knowing what your numbers are so that you start your year knowing what needs to be done. So that's what I'm looking forward to in 2024 business-wise is fostering community among people um, instead of just me sending out all of my blabberings and content out into the internet abyss and hoping it sticks, um, also opening the door for people to connect with each other. Thank you very much for listening to this 45 minutes of me monologuing and I'm sure talking myself in circles um, about the things that we experienced this year and what we're looking forward to next year. Maybe take a little bit of time if you're listening to this on January 1st or 2nd to do the same thing for you. What what happened financially in 2023 and what do you want to see in 2024? And then I really hope to join us for that challenge starting this coming Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Mom podcast. If you want to join me as a guest on the show, go to dfmpodcast.com. The Debt-Free Mom podcast is hosted by me, Carly Hill, and is produced, edited, and mixed by Kyle Hill. Music for this episode was written by Kyle Hill. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to join in with every new episode as we grow our confidence and contentment in our personal finances.